Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A press, a press record. There we go. Oh, I miss you, man, don't I? So, I, miss, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you? Alrighty, well, bloody hell, how is everybody doing today? It's us, it's the boys, the I miss you men. Lonnie and Dylan, I'm Dylan. He's Lonnie, for sure. Lonnie, how are you going today, mate? I'm doing pretty well, Dylan. You're sounding a bit crackly all of a sudden, though. Sit on the first record. Oh, my God. You would. You would, wouldn't you? You would cause this trouble, this mischief. <laughs> What's happened to you? Is that better? It's worse. It's worse. It's worse, is it? I think it's nah, the coke, no sugar, vanilla. It's better, right? No, it's much worse. <sighs> Should we press pause and come back into this? No, no, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare ruin it now. Hold on. Just give me a sec. There you go. How's that? It sounds okay. Is it, is, it well, of, is it good or bad? There's a bit okay. of background noise, but I don't know what that is. But you sound okay, your voice. Is that better? That's good. Can you still hear the background noise? Yeah, what is it? I think it's my laptop. Just oh, uh, I have enough. I have enough. Where is it? Some will pay. It's getting fired up. It's getting started. It's that's getting right. motivated. That's all right. Can you edit that, Mister Mister Editor? I will try. No, not really. No. We... Okay. You want to start again from the top? No. Okay. <laughs> put this. Put this all in. Okay. All of it. All of it. All right. Staying in. What's the podcast about? God damn it! This is cool. I miss you, man. It's a podcast about two men who miss each other. That's you and me. Uh, each week, we take each other on a journey through life, pop culture, and everything in between. Usually, we've got a topic, but this week. We're getting together on a Friday afternoon. We both had long weeks. Your week just sort of began, your work week. And here we are, having a chat. It's my hump day. And yeah, we're just going to have a little little chat, a little general chit-chat. What's going on in our worlds? What we're excited about? What we're getting amongst? Could be a big hole getting amongst it. Who knows? See where the road takes us, mate. You said you want to talk about The Flash. Do you want to get that over and done with, or should we lead up to I that? Mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, we should probably touch on it, right? Okay. We should probably touch on sure. it. Bad, right? Awful movie. Terrible. Not One a of good the worst mo- things I've ever seen. Not a good movie at all. Um, and we've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, how it was getting such good raps for so long. Like, I kept saying in the, in the Warner Brothers, people like, oh, it's getting 100% on the audience, like preview screenings. <laughs> It's going to be the movie. It's going to save DC and all the problems that um, Ezra Miller was going through. They're like, no, we, we've got to get this movie out there. It's going to be that good. I don't care about the people that have been hurt by allegedly all those circumstances. We've got to watch the movie. Allegedly. Yeah. But no, we didn't have yeah. to watch it. Stephen King said it was no. good. 
Purely wasn't. Yeah, who else? Who else said it was good? Bloody James Gunn. What a shill. Tom Cruise somehow got in there. I, I, I Crazy. Know what happened there? Obviously, I don't think they're being paid off because they don't need money. Doing a favor of some sort. Scratch my back. Doing a favor for Warner executives for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no way, no way they saw this and actually thought it was good. This is, this is a garbage movie. Awful. Unless the, and maybe Stephen King and Tom Cruise don't watch these sort of movies very often, so they watched it and like, oh, it seems about okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't imagine Tom Cruise sitting down for many Marvel movies or no, probably not. He's probably seen Dark Knight though. Is he good? Surely, it's probably right? some standard that he's comparing it to, and yeah, bad, awful, awful. What's what's so bad about it though? What did you hate about it? CGI first off, fucking worst I've ever seen up there, right? Look, I'm not a huge like connoisseur when it comes to CGI. As long as it's good enough, I'm okay with it generally. I... You're okay taking trips to the Uncanny Valley. You don't mind the place. <laughs> well, usually, I don't mind. And I thought the movie overall. It was better than I was expecting because like, there was such bad reviews by the time I got to see it. And I found it at least a little bit watchable. But the the CGI recreations of dead people didn't like it. Call me crazy. Didn't like it. Um, Let's just do spoilers. Sure. I, if, you, if you wanted to see it, you'd have seen it. If you like most of the world... And didn't want to see it, then I'm sure you don't care. Uh, and here we get like oh, first of all, so it's about the Flash. <laughs> I hate this movie. It's about the Flash. He goes back in time to save his mum, uh, who was murdered when he was a child, and he tries to save her, even though he had a big talk to Batman. Batman's like, "No, nah, don't do it, mate. Don't do that." Mm-hmm. Still did anyway. Because Ezra Miller and they're a menace. Well, that's just a general. That seems to be one of the only stories we can tell about the Flash. We never, we never see Flash as villains or anything. Well, the TV show obviously did, but I think it's just a very safe and boring approach to this story. Yeah, like in the comics, he did this, but Once. he didn't like. <laughs> yeah called flashpoint yeah and basically like reset the whole dc universe at that point that was the new 52 starting i think think so yeah yeah and it was good it was good in the comics he he actually changed the future and the past because it kind of sends out a ripple in time but in this he like creates a whole new universe instead of just changing time it's odd odd approach it is an odd approach and as a result of this you get stuck back in a world just before old mate Zod turns up. Yeah, My, Michael Shannon's back, and he's, he's, I guess he's committed, kind of. He's kind of hid behind his CGI armor the whole time, so I don't know how much he was on set, really. Yeah, and I think he was playing in a bit, to be honest. I don't blame him, but I think he was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was in the trailer, so I thought he was going to be a bigger presence than he was, but I don't think he ever interacts with the Flash. No, he's just in one he's in like one location as well the whole time, pretty much. Yeah, they have to go to him. He doesn't even come to them. <laughs> Bizarre. 
They turn up to find him. And it's, what, what's he looking for? You see, he's not looking for Superman this time. No, he ends up looking Supergirl. for Supergirl. It was horribly underwritten. There's no point. She doesn't have a, the character arc is all over the place. She leaves and comes back and then part of it. I, I couldn't tell you one thing about her as a character. Very, very weird. She wasn't, no, I mean, she wasn't that bad. Uh, her whole story is that she was supposed to be Superman's protector. That's Supergirl's whole story. She was meant to be sent to Earth with Superman and kind of watch over him because at that point she was a teenager, mm. I think, mm. and he was a baby. Um, but wacky space shenanigans happen and their quads get sent off course, or hers get sent off course, and so she arrives like 30 years later or something in the comics. Mm. But in this, she just arrives instead of Superman. He gets sent off course. And he, when he's a baby, and... Yeah, we've uh, talked about this offline. I don't know how bad it sounds, but General Zod uh, basically tries to extract the Kryptonian DNA from Superman, and he kills him as a baby. Now, mm. I think that is quite in character for General Zod, and I, I kind of like that he murdered a child. Makes him a bit ruthless. Well, for, for the character, sure. Yes, for yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's but sad she... that that's one of the only parts I liked, is that General Zod <laughs> killed a baby. <laughs> anyway. What a baby harm in this movie. What a baby's yeah, in danger. The whole, the whole opening um, scene with babies getting thrown around. And I think like every time we've seen a, a super speed um, scene in, a, in one of these movies, like it's amazing the first time and every time since then it's kind of gets more diminishing returns. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's only one way to do it. And it's just everything's in really, really slow motion, mm. except for the speeds themselves. It's just kind of getting a bit old, really. Yeah, we've done it before. He puts the baby in a microwave, though, which has got a lot of <laughs> lot of humor has been drawn from that online. I didn't, I didn't mind that scene, to be honest, but I was kind of like, I've seen this before and better. Not to mention the fact they, they introduced a plot element there that the Flash needs calories or he can't be super speedy, and they never touch upon it again after that scene. Yeah, that is odd, isn't it? Mm. And it's also you got you got the whole Ezra Miller stuff in the back of your mind. Yeah, and you're supposed to be not only are they not the best actor for Flash. Mm. I don't really like the weird performance they have. Um, but you'd like this whole time. This person is a menace to society, <laughs> and they have allegedly done maniacal things. And we're supposed to believe that they're like this. Uh, this like upstanding hero. Hero, yeah. Mm. It was interesting. I, 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 you're totally right. It's hard to remove that from your brain when that was so heavily um, publicized, and it didn't seem like there was ever any real resolution. It sort of swept under the rug. I think like there were apologies and things, but not. It wasn't like a sit down on the couch with Oprah and let's clear out all the dirty laundry. You know that sort of thing never happened. So it's kind of like it's been forced to move on with it, with it all, the whole society. Um, but I thought it was sort of in-universe. In so he, he ends up talking to, um, ends up interacting with him from 10 years ago, younger version of himself. And the younger version of Flash is really, really annoying, which is what the Flash was in the first in, um, interpretation of his character back in Justice League movie. 
so it, and they comment on how annoying he was and like the new one is kind of like more mature and taking the guy on the run his rope and stuff so it's almost like acknowledging to the fans or to the general audience hey we remember when we had the flash before they're really annoying super super annoying we get it let's kick him down kick him a bit but i've seen other people talk about it the idea is that the, the you know current day flash is more mature we've never seen that happen we've seen them a couple times at various points in these movies but never seen them actually take those steps to maturity just like oh by the way they're better now yeah all because interacting with uh, a worse version of themselves from the past yeah yeah and what about the michael keaton stuff should we talk about that yeah i guess i mean it wasn't necessary it really wasn't i don't think michael keaton's batman added anything to this movie no but i didn't understand <laughs> the whole idea is that he doesn't have to be batman anymore because crime has been solved and got them. <laughs> Sure, why not? You know, okay. He's just like hanging we, around. We never pasta. saw what happened after Batman and Robin. <laughs> you know, for all we know, it could have happened. Yeah, it felt like a weird. Um, they didn't want to have to address any plot elements there. It's not the exact same Batman, Michael Keaton Batman. It's a different version, obviously, because it's all timeline timeline stuff. But that felt a bit cheap to me. Um, not to mention the fact that there are so many scenes where that Batman is doing action and it's just CGI robbery models doing stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of Michael Keaton being Batman, I don't think. No. And Michael Keaton, yeah, God bless him. He's an old man at this yeah, point. totally. And we supposed to believe this old man is just running around flying, doing flips and kicking bad guys in the face and taking on armies? Like, what? Especially after he's been retired for 20 plus years because he solved crime. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, apparently he kept in shape, I suppose. I guess But, so. like, it makes no sense. Because there's a whole point of, like, Batman Beyond. was like, he gets too old for this. Yeah. Once he's approaching, like, 70. Which, mm-hmm. Mike Keaton is, right? Surely getting up there? 60, 70 something, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It felt like a bit of a waste. Also, it kind of felt like other people crying out for a return of Michael Keaton as Batman. Were they though? I don't think they were personally. Like it was cool, but like because there've been so many Batman since then. Like it, like the whole comparison to No Way Home, right? Is that it? It still feels like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were almost current to a certain degree. Like they're that recent, and they're like the three definitive versions of Spider Man. But there's been like so many Bat- Batman. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And also. I mean, it was worst kept secret ever, but like, technically, like the trailers and that didn't spoil that they were actually in it. Mm. Like we had behind the scenes stuff, and Andrew was lying out his teeth. God bless him to yeah. try and keep the surprise. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, it wasn't officially confirmed, so there was that semblance, and I guess it's part of why it's bombing. Of like, oh, is is Michael Keaton actually going to be in this? Are the rumors true? But mm. no, they just show him in the trailers. He's going to be there. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. But and well you go. No, I I was gonna go on to the the raising the dead if you want to do it for that, but if you've got something well, else about <laughs> Morgan Keaton, go for it. Well while we're on Batman in okay. particular, 
Uh, in the original Flashpoint, he changes the future and the past. So Batman's actually Thomas Wayne, mm. and Bruce was shot in the alley. That's cool. Yeah. And in Zack Snyder's Justice League and Batman v Superman, wasn't it Jeffrey Dean Morgan mm-hmm. who played Thomas Wayne? Would that not have been so cool to see? Jeffrey Dean Morgan as like a grizzled, ruthless Batman. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, going back to the Flashpoint story, it's much better in an already established world than you can see variations. But this sort of world has been half-hearted about their, their interpretations of these characters because, not to mention the fact, we all know it's going to be rebooted soon. The last few films have been unsuccessful. They've never really committed to a Batman movie in this universe. So I think I think you're right. That would have been cool to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but also would have been even cooler to see him in comparison to Batfleck, who we didn't really see a whole lot of, especially the last few years. Yeah, he's kind of just been cameoing the whole time. Making like every movie, basically. I guess he was co-lead in Batman v Superman, but apart from that, very little screen time. Hmm. Another thing is, I don't like that they got rid of, um, like, the whole point of the first Flashpoint is that Flash has messed up the world so bad, they're on the brink of World War Three because the Atlanteans and the Amazonians are going mm. at it. Clearly, fucking Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa were available, because they both have cameos <laughs> in this movie. Why did you not do the Atlantean and well, fucking Amazonian World War? That sounds amazing. I think that's what I was getting at a moment ago, trying to anyway, was that they're doing Flashpoint, but they're doing a very, very shallow version of it because they haven't got the, haven't done all the work beforehand to establish doing that. But that's a good point. Everyone likes Jason Momoa as Aquaman, and he's got a movie coming out soon. Gal Gadot is also pretty well liked as as Wonder Woman, so that could have been an interesting bit. But yeah, it was, instead we just got Flash looking at some dead people for a bit. It was a big third act yeah. thing. Yeah, terrible. So when he goes, and they trying to be artistic about it, I guess. So when he goes back in time, or goes through time, whatever, he enters kind of like this big sphere. It's like mind the sphere. Little... It was okay, I guess. Look, if the CGI was good, it'd have been fine. <laughs> but it's just like different fucking CGI versions of people that just look like... There's this like big meme of the Scorpion King CGI with the rock. Have you seen that? I have seen that. From Mummy. And it just looks terrible. It looks exactly like that. It yeah. looks like 2000s yeah, early CGI. Like wax models, yeah. Awful. And the director said it's supposed to be bad. No, shut up. It's not. <laughs> you're off your tree. I don't know what you're talking about. It just looks plain awful. It does. It's not an artistic choice. Not I, me. I, I agree with all that. It looks quite weird and off-putting. But it's also weird and off-putting in a narrative sense. So I guess the idea is that Flash is doing so much stuff to all the timelines and using the speed force to warp time that different multiversal planets or multiversal timelines are crashing in on each other. But for whatever reason, they just look at each other. I'm like, are are they looking at a different world from their little world? Or is like a portal opening up to them to like, Chris Reeves, man, is he seeing this? Or is just the Flash seeing this, these worlds colliding and collapsing on each other? If the whole story just ends, and it's, you know, it's supposed to be the moment where everyone claps because they 
because Tobey Maguire's walked through the portal. But it's like, oh, we're going to clap a, a dead guy who's looking at the camera for a little bit. Morosely. Weird. Two, two dead guys. We had George Reeves, the original mm-hmm. Superman, and we got Christopher Reeves. No. No, not on. And we got Supergirl. Like, what an odd choice to put oh. the bad Supergirl movie as one of the things you, you showcase as your big multiverse. Yeah, it's like, here you go. And here's, here's the, the cancelled Nick Cage Superman movie? What? I, I, who was that for? For the fans, <laughs> I, I guess. But I don't... I think that's always been like a bit of a curiosity that Nick Cage is almost Superman. But I don't think there are many people out there who are like, oh my god, finally we're seeing Nick Cage fight the spider. Like, really? He's like, oh, okay, that's a weird choice you made. So odd. I mean, you know who it was for. It was for people who listened to Kevin Smith tell that story in his fucking mm. stand-up special mm. 10 or 20 years ago. That's the only people who really know about it. Very, it's so, very it's such weird. such a fucking deep cut, yeah. No, and it, it's kind of just like, it's there so you can point at the screen and say, yeah, I recognise that. I understand that reference. Weird. Too deep. Too deep a cut. So then after it all sort of plays out, Flash eventually decides that he shouldn't change the world and save his mum because it's going to cause so much trouble. But then he still changes the timeline to save his dad from going to jail for it all, to get out of jail. No lessons learned. No lessons learned. And he does this to the point where he kills off Batman. He kills off Ben Affleck and brings back yeah, George kills, Clooney. He kills off his friend as he knows him. Ceases to exist. How does that not weigh on you? I, I wouldn't like it, Dylan, if one day another random person came to me and said they were you and we have to keep doing the podcast, but it's not you, but it is you. And it was not. and it was your fault. And it, it was definitely it was definitely my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how bad would you feel? You feel horrible. Terrible. No, they they I think they really really ruined it. Um and again, like I found it on one level watchable and like, but I think it's more in the, is this happening? Sort of. <laughs> what are they doing here? I did, in my experience watching it, I was in a cinema with one other person who I'm pretty sure fell oh. asleep for a bit of it. I, I went to see it with my mate Jerry. It was me, him, and two other people. Really? So we definitely felt the bombing in real time. <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, well. And didn't it cost like over $200 million? Oh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. You yeah. couldn't tell in the CGI. Holy no! I mean, I mean, I was going to say DC are off the off the track, but they've been off the track for a little while. Apart from the Batman, Marvel's also, you know, I think has had a few successive losses. So maybe people are just moving on from this. Maybe we want different things now. Yeah, I think everyone's over the multiverse. Seemingly. Definitely. Apart from Spider-Man, that's the one last thing everyone's okay with, I think. That's the thing as well. If there wasn't, like, the most amazing multiverse movie that's ever been made, mm. coming out, like, a month before The Flash, you know, it definitely wouldn't have hurt as much as it did, but yeah. in comparison, oh, it makes The Flash look like dog shit. It really does. Well, I saw an interesting point online about this, Dylan, that I think you might appreciate. It says mm. that in Spider-Man, uh, was this not across the Spider-Verse? Across Spider-Verse, yeah. They use the multiverse plot device to bring in new characters and to create drama. 
while in the Flash, they use the multiverse to bring in old characters by and large, and just sort of have them there. But the Christopher Reeve is just there, sort of thing. Michael Keaton is, yeah. is kind of just there, you know. So it's just it's it's the same device, but used in an interesting way, and a not so interesting way. Yeah, absolutely. No, agreed. Sp- Spider Verse is so good. Both of those movies are immaculate. Yeah, man, I'm I'm keen for the third one. Seems like there was some trouble behind the scenes, though, so it might be a bit delayed, number three, but I think they're making it at the same time, so maybe it'll be all okay. Isn't that supposed to come out early next year? Yeah, I think like March or March, April, May. One of those months. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. I'd rather they wait They wait and get it perfect, though, so, you know, I'm Well, okay. I, as I think you tip, uh, just touched on it, but I'm pretty sure they made both of these next two. Yeah, so form. it's not like it's a it's from day dot they got to start again. They think it obviously on track, but yeah, that'd be good. No, it should be good. Should be good. All right. Well, the Flash. Don't recommend. Don't watch. If you want to watch a good Flash movie, just watch the animated Flashpoint Paradox. To be honest, I will speak. You're in and out. Doesn't go for fucking two and a half hours. That's another thing. <laughs> too long. Too long. This movie. Way too long. Could have cut out forty-five minutes. Yeah, of the f- the two flashes just being dickheads with each other. And I wonder if people would have been kinder to it if it wasn't so long. Well, people Maybe. Were, people didn't go to it, so <laughs> no. Seemingly, <laughs> from our experience, it's definitely not. No. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anyway, that's the flash. Good stuff. Well, bad stuff, rather. Mm. What else you got for me, mate? You see, what have you been up to lately? Something happened with some some sports, some footy ball you're talking about? I can talk to you about this if you'd like a little bit. So, <laughs> I got home work from work late today. It's one of the tough things. I'm going to leave next week, going to this conference and speaking at it. Um, and I got to the point, Dylan, where I can't go and leave from work because I've got too much stuff on that, oh, geez. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's actually annoying. He's too important. I'm very, I'm a very important person, so it's annoying when I have to go because I got to like do handover notes and things like that. That's what you get when you're like me, Dylan. <laughs> when you're the big dog. It actually it happens to be a busy, busy time of year, um, and it, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this time myself, but I'm going to a conference, as I said. So by the time this podcast is released to the world, I would have already been there. Maybe I've bolted up. Maybe I <laughs> fell over and knocked my, knocked my. <laughs> Knocked myself out. Maybe you're fired. Who knows? Oh, could be. 
Could we do on this podcast full time? Probably uh-huh. not. We'll see what happens. Probably not. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm doing, I'm going to a conference called the Australian Society for Sports History Organization. The conference is called Sporting Traditions. Um, yeah. to, to do with my research into rugby league on film. Do you guys listening to this podcast might have an inkling of that's something I'm into, given we talk about footy a bit and talk about movies nearly every episode. Don't lie. Um, yeah, so at this conference, what I'm doing is, is talking about the um, history of rugby league on film and talking about each one, each film that does exist that, that features rugby league. There's been a couple. There's been three from the UK and yeah, five or six from down here. So um, what have we got? We've got, Dylan. There's one called The Hope of East Side, which is from the 1930s. It's also called Where's George. It doesn't exist anymore. There's no copies of it, so I can't tell you too much about it. But What do you mean? Apparently no copies exist. But the one thing that's funny about this film is that it was called Where's George originally, but when they released it, the, the King George of the 1930s died. And so they had all these oh. posters up saying, where's George? So they had to take them down and change the title in a hurried, hurried manner. Um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Then another one called Up and Under from the 1990s. It's the only rugby league film, to my knowledge, that has um, nudity. If you're interested oh. into that. Well, we got... It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, lady. it's a lady in a shower. Okay. It's... Hmm. um. Which I quite I find quite um, disturbing in that movie because she's like Ooh. so the idea of the, of that film right is that um, there's this guy and he is uh, former football player he left and sort of under a cloud um, now he's just like a tradesman and he hates this other fella <laughs> okay oh Jesus just despises him um, vehemently and he's like a businessman the guy he hates. And what he does is he's got like a football competition, an amateur yeah. team up in there. It's a pub pub tournament sort of thing. And our main character, I've forgotten the name of him. I could probably find if I wanted to, but oh, wait. The he bets him everything he has in the bank, whole life savings, that he can coach any team to beat the best team in that competition. I don't just don't make the bet. I would say just don't make the bet, and your life is fine. You can you can have your wife, and everyone's happy, sort of thing. But there's some like sort of psychosexual stuff going on because the businessman um, once slept with his wife, and so he can't. He's never got over that, so it's all like a weird. Anyway, he's, oh. he starts coaching this team of like plotters who are just like overweight and no good. They always lose. I'm not sure why they play, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he realizes that he needs to get them into shape before he can even coach them to play footy, and so he goes to a um, Named Arthur, by the way, I just remembered. Arthur takes his team to a gym, and it's run by a woman called Hazel, and she's a gym owner and a personal trainer, and she's really great, and she puts them into shape. But they, the awkward part for me is that she's really young and attractive, right? They're all older, um, you know, slobby guys, and they leer at her and they're creepy towards her. But it's kind of like one of the funny thing though, because she's really bright and happy and doesn't take their shit, you know. So she sort of rolls mm-hmm. in the punches and one of them stays behind at training one of the days and he like leers at her in the shower and she's sort of in the gym shower and she notices him and she calls him on it and she's like, all right, you getting in or not? 
And he's like, oh, well, uh, I didn't realize. And she's like, all right, you had a look. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> so, like, on the one hand, they're making her into a powerful character, right? It doesn't take no shit. She's comfortable in her own skin. But at the same time, the film is displaying her for the titillation of the viewers. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think of that sort of concept? It was the 90s, mate. It was a different time. It was the 90s. You're, you're, you're very true. <laughs> anyway, she's a cool character because at the end, when they they end up in the final of the competition, obviously, it's that sort of movie, they're down a man, and so she feels in, and she's one of the boys, and she helps them win the competition. That's pretty cool. Oh, well, like uh, Trixie and Speed Racer. <laughs> It's a bit of that. Not quite okay, as good, obviously. I, I, I get it there. There's no Christina, no. but, you know. How many? Um, very quickly, no, there's, a, there's a famous movie from the 1960s called This Sporting Life. And it's got a, it's very, very famous. It, um, pretty much the only rugby league film that's ever made it into, like, mainstream cultural um, appreciation. It's the classic of the 1960s, really melodramatic, black and white. Um, you'll like it, Dylan, because it stars Richard Harris, who is more famous to our generation as the first Dumbledore. The good one, yeah. You don't like the second one, do you? No, I think it's a bit, it's a bit grouchy, <laughs> a bit mean as well. Yeah, isn't he? He's a bit mean. He's a bit of a prick, to be honest. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like him. Well, he's not. He's not calm and composed, and like he doesn't seem above it all. Like that's what Dumbledore has he's to seem. Aloof. He has to seem, yeah. yeah. He has to seem so powerful and so above everyone else. Doesn't need that. He just has no care in the world. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, this is one of his very first, if not his first, film role in this film. Um, mm. and look, he got an Oscar nomination for it and a BAFTA nomination. That went pretty good. Well, at Khan that year. So like you know, as much as those are. Um, indications of film's quality that is something you know especially for a footy film let's face it um it's based off a novel and yeah yeah yeah. it's written and adapted by the the novel um author um guy called david story he used to play a bit of footy as well he's an interesting fella from from all accounts he's a playwright as well a novelist and he actually he played footy semi-professionally like played a bit of first grade but a lot of second grade but was getting paid but he was doing that to pay his way through art school so <laughs> oh, okay which has been interesting isn't it and i think i've seen interviews or obituaries and whatnot where it's kind of like he was too arty for the footy world but too much of an artist for the or too much of a footy player for the art world you know what i mean classic classic uh between two worlds. yeah mm. um yeah, the film is quite interesting. It's quite melodramatic. You can find it on YouTube, spoiler alert, but also in Ooh. other places. The mark of a good film. <laughs> um, but he's like, he's this guy called Frank and he's on lower classes. He starts playing footy and he gets elevated into like a celebrity status in the town. Um, he's lo- staying with a landlady who's widowed and mm. he sort of has the hots for her. And But given he's a footballer of lower class and younger than her and she's an older widower with two children you know the social mores of the time mean they can't really get together yet he sort of forces her into a relationship and in fact assaults her to the point that 
that's about how they sort of start um, a quote-unquote relationship. Um, so it's very, very sexual, psychosexual stuff happening again. Um, it's worth footing. It's yeah. worth footing in all this uh, psychosexual shit, eh? <laughs> What's going on? Well, the next film I'll talk about is called The First Kangaroos. Not as much psychosexual stuff on that, but it does end with, these, with these two characters, right? There's one guy, and it's based on a true story, loosely, but it's based on a true story. It's about the first kangaroo um, football team going to from the Australia going to England for a trip. Mm. And the guy called J.J. Gilton is the tour manager and Dally Messenger. You might have heard that name. The Dally M Awards. Apparently not. <laughs> nah, straight over the head. What's it for? Uh, so that that's the best player of the of the competition every year. Now wins a Dally M Award. It's named after him because he was one of their first play, first big players. Sort of thing that Jonathan Thurston won a few times. You know that sort of best player of the year award. Oh, JT, JT, of Queensland. That's it. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, anyway, so this, so this guy called JJ Gilton in is he running the tour? And he's kind of a bit of a, a funny fellow. He's sort of got interesting ways of raising money. He like gets the team over there on a ship. They got they obviously no planes yet, so they've got to go on a ship that takes the months to get to England. And he cuts corners and cuts costs by getting the players to uh, help out in the the bowels of the ship, putting the coal, throwing the coal yeah. into <laughs> to the ship. He's like, yeah, you do some training. Get just keep your keep your athleticism up. Well, I mean, you can't argue, I guess. It makes a certain like... amount of sense. Anyway, by the end of the tour, he's lost all the money for the tour, basically. And in real life, when he came back, they sacked him from his position with the league. So, like, dude, you can't do this. You lost all the money. But thanks for starting it <laughs> off for us. Anyway, what reminds me of the, the psychosexual thing is that the film ends and he and Dally have sort of had a bit of a fight. But then, <laughs> I think, I'm not sure who it says it. I don't know who says it to who, but one of them says to the other one, you know what? There are girls next door. He's like, yeah, girls. And they go off to get the girls together. It's just so weird. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Good stuff. Is that any, uh, does footy legends get a mention? Mate, that's my next all? one. Have hello, you seen this hello. one? Yeah, I have. Yeah, ages ago. What do you reckon? Probably, I mean, for me, he wasn't really into football. It was pretty funny. Ando's a funny guy. Yeah, I like Ando. Um... It's a good. I remember watching it when I was a kid, and it wasn't like obviously it wasn't great. We all know that. Like it's an Australian movie, and well, as a kid, yeah. I was like, "Oh, I like it," but it's not as can you know, it's not like Star Wars or Batman or something that I'm loving. <laughs> but it is kind of cool to see footy on the screen. That's cool. But having watched it a few times for my research, I I think it's really charming and really well done. I really like it. You're not a bloody 180 on it. Love you some footy it's, legends. It's on mate. Netflix now in Australia, so nothing's stopping you from watching it again. The um the basic plot of that one is that Arn is late twenties, he's living in Western Sydney, he and his mates are kind of down and out on their luck. They can't get jobs, they're really struggling. Um he in particular is struggling because his mum died. And he's looking after his sister. Mm. But he's doing it in such a He's doing the best he can, right? But he hasn't got much education and he's a bit of a down-and-out guy. And so the child protection services are sort of circling to try and take the daughter, the sister away. What does he see, Dylan? He sees a little ad for a footy competition, prize being a ute, a Holden ute, and a Lowe's commercial 
modeling gig. So he rounds up his old mates and they get on their old jerseys and they, they go play the tournament, which is for some reason in this tournament, there are some real legends playing, like former football players. I guess they wanted a Ute for free. <laughs> yeah, why, why would you? No, it was probably like cousins of the, the football players like, wait, JT, get in, <laughs> get in on this with me. Help a brother out. Yeah, yeah, all right. All right, play a little bit. Um, no, it's good. It's not particularly deep, but it is quite fun. Um, and there's some nice moments. And it's like not, not every film in this sort of genre has a scene where a guy gets rejected by Centrelink. You know, that, that, that's, that's cool. And it really, like, throws the community, like, aspect out there. So a lot of, like, hmm. the last one I talked about, Up and Under with the naked lady in the shower, that's all very personally motivated. Like, the guy wants to beat the other guy because he slept with his wife once, right? Which is like, hmm. sure, that, that's compelling to a certain degree. But when you're playing sure. for the your community and you're taking it to the big fellas and you're just a, a bunch of scrappers, like, that's more interesting, isn't it? That's more fun. I think so. You think so? Um, have you ever seen The Final Winter? No, nah, never even heard never of it. Never even heard of it. You know Matt Nabel? You know Matt Nabel at all? No. Australian actor. He played no. Rachel Ghoul, apparently, in the, the Arrowverse <laughs> for some reason. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, all right. I watched three seasons of that. I vaguely remember Rachel Gould. I think he I think that was kind of forgettable. Yeah. Well, he's he's a funny character, Matt Nabel, because he played a bit of footy. He um, I think he played three or four matches for like Souths back in the nineties, and he played over in England for a bit. But he started yeah. liking to be a writer more than anything. So he was writing this novel for a while. Mm. And eventually, that became the script for this movie called Footy, uh, A Final Winter. Sorry. And it's set in the past. It's about like the early 80s when footy was trying to clean up its image, trying to become a bit more professional. And it's about this one guy who's like an old school, rough and tumble, uh, head high tackler, eye gouger, elbow in the face sort of player. Yeah. <laughs> you know the duck. His name's yeah, Grub. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, no. Classic. Grub by name, Grub by nature. Um. And the whole the whole story is about kind of him realizing he's his time is gone, his time has passed. Um, it's an interesting movie because it's set in between matches. Like it starts off with a match, and he gets sent off and for elbowing his brother, who's on the opposite team, in the head. And then he sort of has all week. He's got to go to the judiciary and plead his case, and then it's his final game the next weekend. Um, so you don't see a whole lot of footy on field, but it's sort of more the interpersonal connections and stuff. Um, mm. One of those weird ones, it's, again, it's trying to have it both ways. It's trying to be like, these old guys who played the game really tough, um, that's not good. Obviously, that's that's part of the part of history for a good reason. But also, like, these guys are so great at the same time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are they, were they good or were they bad? Let us know. Tell us, please. Um, yeah, so Matt Nabel, he's, he's wrote and... Um, start on that and then after that he became a bit of an actor he's been lots of shows in Australia he had a bit of a Hollywood career I think he was he auditioned at one stage for a Game of Thrones thing but didn't go through but he's written some normal novels apparently I, yeah. I think he was maybe even offered a role in that there oh, you go I can't 
but uh, that's what I, that's what I hear. There's there's two more. Which I'll talk about just very quickly. One called Broke. It was filmed up here in Queensland. It's quite sad. It's about a guy who used to play footy, but then he became um, he left the game under a, under a cloud. Oh. He became broke in his spirit and in you know financially. Sort of got into drugs and alcohol, and gambling problems. Um, classic, classic sort of stuff. It's quite it does happen to players, ex-players, happens to lots of people. It's really terrible. If I was in charge, still, I wouldn't have gambling. I wouldn't have pokies at all. Mm. They're fun to push the buttons on, though. Come on, no, bro. Well, I mean, if you can, if you can do that and have a flutter in it. Believe that's okay. People lose their whole life to it, which I think is terrible. There's a horrible statistic like during COVID when all the pubs were closed, all these people didn't lose money because they did, they couldn't do it and they were actually, you know, getting better. And then pubs opened again, lost all their money millions and millions of dollars as a country. How'd you fix it? Would you put like a uh, like a time limit? Yeah, one session. I think okay. you could limit have the number of them as well in the country, like there shouldn't be. You know, they should be in like casinos or something. They shouldn't be in every pub on the street, you know. Ooh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But then that's how they get a lot of their money, the pubs and clubs. So maybe, yeah, maybe you don't do that. Maybe find other sources. You're like trying to just take out the, the RSLs of the world, mate. You have a problem. Yeah, problem. Well, it's a problem. They're, they're, they're clubs, right? And they're community organizations. And they, they invest back into sporting clubs or you know, community programs. But they get their money from the community from gambling profits. So Snake eating tail, mate. That kind of, yeah. Anyway. In this story that the main character I mentioned, name's BK, he um finds himself homeless and this older fella happens across him and invites him into his house to sort of look after him. And then he sort of strikes up a relationship with his daughter. Turns out they were big fans of him when he was a player. Because he was a, he was their favourite player, actually. And so, by chance, they sort of take him in and try and get him back on the straight and narrow. And he does with varied success. It's a really good movie, though. It's sad, though. No good. Not good at all. The last one, a little weird one. It's called Chasing Comets. And do you remember, you remember a player at all called Jason Stevens? Does that ring a bell to you at all, Dylan? Not off the top of my head, no. no. Well, he played when we were kids. It's like early 2000s late 90s, early 2000s. And he's very famous because he was a born-again Christian who took a vow of celibacy before marriage. Very bizarre thing for a footballer to do. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's like what a footballer is normally known for, sex scandals more than sex. Yeah, having sex. Yeah, right. All the time. Getting caught, mostly. Yeah. So when he did that, there was a big media story about it, and that's kind of the first thing everyone knows about him. Since he retired, he got married, and I assume has had sex since. So had sex, yeah. Probably good on him. Good for him. Yeah. Um, he's actually written a book. It's called Worth the Wait, and I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was gonna, I was about to make a joke. It was gonna be like my first time and how good it was, but you know that. He did it. There, there we go. Good on I, him. I think, I think at the time of writing the book, he was still not married, though. But it was, it was, it's kind of like for kids to say, hey, it is worth the wait because you're closer to God and then you can give yourself fully to the person you marry is the, the idea. And 
not my cup of tea, but good luck to him, I guess. Anyway, since he retired, he um wrote, he started being a river writer and he wrote this movie. And the reason I mentioned him and his sex life and his his story as an NRL player is that he puts this basically the film was about himself, but he's put it in a different character's shoes, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's autobiographical, but not in, in a sense. Um, yeah. The problem for me though is that the film was set in Wagga Wagga and it's filmed down there. Which is great. Well, I love to see stuff set in the country. That's that's all good. But like the storyline of him taking a vow of celibacy and then being really in that becoming a bit of a media sensation doesn't quite work if you're not in the NRL because like why would people in a country town care about a footballer's sex life? Like I'd, <laughs> it might be a little bit of a story, but not that much of a story, I think. But the way it's How small is this town? Wogga Wogga. I think it's small in yeah, Tiba. population? I don't know. It's oh, top of my head. Let's hook Tiba it up. Tiba's a city, mate. One of the big ones. Wogga population. How many years? 2,000. No, 68,000. That's not too bad. But Oh, mate, that's a city. Come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think they're caring that too much about it. I'd care. You'd care, would you? Yeah. It'd be sure. on the news for you? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Um, so it's kind of awkward in that sense. Um, there's also yeah. other awkward parts of it. Like, he's got a manager. So he's in Wagga Wagga. He wants to join the NRL, become a successful player. First of all, the actor playing the main character, whose name is Chase Daylight, by the way. Bad. Bad name. He um, He's supposed to be, like, young and wanting to go into the NRL, right, as a professional. But the actor is, unfortunately, like, in his early 30s. And you can tell. So, like, is he supposed to be a young teenager or is he an older fella who's, like, had it, you know? Anyway. Sounds like a bad movie. It's not it's not great, but it's an interesting text, like, to watch it. But you got this manager who's, like, always hanging around a Chinese restaurant. And for some reason, the manager listens to his game, final game of the season. And that's how we hear that he's won. Like, he scored the winning try. To win the game? Why don't you show it? Why are we listening to the manager listen to it on the radio? It's very weird. Don't get it. It's on stand though, gonna watch. Sounds like a terrible movie. I don't like it. <laughs> but the thing is he he's playing up, he he's he's got a girlfriend, but he's mean to her, he doesn't like her, he cheats on her, and then he she leaves him and he tries to get better, but his footy sort of falls apart, and then he happens upon finding God and then by the time he finds God, takes the vow of celibacy, things improve both personally and on the field. So you know, that's that's the whole point, Dylan. That sounds good to me. <laughs> so the thing I found about these movies is you might have might have guessed they're kind of about troubled blokes, you know, playing a really violent sport. Um, they're lower class battlers, and but they, you know, find themselves on a field. They doesn't matter what their class is on the field; everyone's the same, and you can be successful if you try hard enough. You know, equalizing. And the female characters don't get a lot of lot of show, um, in any significant way, except for that one lady who we see her naked for some reason. Good on her though; she owned it. From what I've heard. Yeah, like I, I didn't want to focus too much on that, but that's sort of what's happened today. But I think that is, 
I find that interesting in, in terms of most movies, you know, about you see you know, that have you noticed the discourse recently about um sex scenes in movies and a lot of younger generation apparently are of the opinion that sex scenes are like redundant and we shouldn't have them. And then there's a subset of older people who are like, movies aren't sexy enough anymore. Where, where do you lean on that, Dylan? How, how do they mean it's redundant? What does that mean? Well, it's just like... like well, we can just go online, Google, sex. <laughs> I think to a Why certain degree... Seen in movies? Oh, it's more like that was just thrown in there, in there to the story to have a sex scene rather than to further the plot in any way. Sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I can understand if there's a sex scene that's part of the plot, but if it's there for no reason... Yeah, that, yeah, it's not necessary. Yeah, but, I mean, um, and then th- there are people who take it even further who are like, um, you can just show them kissing and then cut to the next day when we, they're in bed together, we understand what happened. And like, I get that to a certain degree, but also it's, it's okay if if you can have characters who are, you know, have chemistry. That's that's also okay. And sex scenes, I mean, like anything, if you do it well, you do it well. If you do it badly, you do it badly. Absolutely, absolutely, mm. and um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for equal opportunity. Like show boobies, that's fine. Touch on cock as well. <laughs> what happened to the Harvey Cartels of the world that just hung Wang in movies? It's Where's a, all the penises? It's a good question, Dylan. I I think that is part of it for me. Is like I I do I'm okay with sex scenes, and I think they they can hold value to story, but also they can be you know part of the aesthetic of a cinematic experience right but also how often do we find it's like the young female actors who are the ones who are exposed to the sex scenes margot robbie for example made it in hollywood because she was in a role where she was you know heavily sexualized so i think there is that exploitative element which and that's what i was saying about the character in this footy film where i felt like she's the only one we see who's in the shower naked, like they're kind of under the guise of being, you know, feminist and forward thinking, but really who do we all often always see, you know, they're the ones who are there. The same. Show it all. Anyway, that's some sort of snapshot of my footy research, which hopefully went well at the conference a few weeks ago by the time this episode comes out. We'll see. We'll see how we go. I hope yeah. I don't mention the nude to and just get stuck on that. <laughs> For 15 or 20 minutes, I'm in the That'd be funny. No, I won't. <laughs> yeah, do you want to do a get amongst at each, or how are we going to wrap this up? Oh, we're wrapping up, are we? It's been half, it's almost an hour. Oh, well, I was just having a chat. Oh, yeah. sorry. Well, keep going if you want. But... No, that's fine. <laughs> I was going to talk about, I watched a couple of wrestling pay-per-views recently. Right, these like like current ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So AEW just had their crossover with New Japan Wrestling called Forbidden Door. Cool. And yeah, I started watching it. Apparently it's got some great matches on it, which they were. They were great. But like the best match of the card, and arguably like one of the best matches of all time, apparently, was Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. And I feel really awful. Like, I feel I have to turn in my wrestling fan card because I fell asleep about 10 minutes into the match. Wow, man. Come on. 
are you doing? Apparently, it's like I don't, I don't know. I was I was tired. I was trying to stay awake. I was in that state where you're like just drooping, then waking up, then drooping, waking up. I was I couldn't help it. I was tired. I fell asleep. And yeah, apparently, uh, there's a guy that rates wrestling matches called um, Dave Meltzer. He's been rating wrestling matches for like 40 years, like that. Um, his highest rating apparently is five stars, but he's gone above it heaps of times. And he gave it six stars. I was like, fuck. Sounds like a good match. I'll never know. Can you go I, back uh, and watch it at all, or is that... <laughs> I mean, I can. I watched the first ten minutes, and then I caught the end. So, oh. I don't know if it'll have the same impact, going back and watching it. Yeah, I just feel bad. I feel awful. Just ruined one of the best matches of all time. For no, myself, you've got to listen to your boy. body, though. I didn't feel that tired, though. You just overcame it. didn't. Yeah. It just, it just, it just happened. On set. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was madness. Now, WWE had one the other day. It's called Money in the Bank. Hmm. Well, the whole premise is that there's, like, these two ladder matches in between men and women. And if you win the briefcase and climb the ladder and grab it, then you get a title opportunity anytime you want. Oh, yeah. Good pay-per-view. Good pay-per-view. But there's a segment. Um, it's held in London as well. There's a big deal, apparently. And John Cena came back. He's like, oh, you guys are bloody awesome. You're the, you're the greatest fans ever in London. So I'm going to try and bring WrestleMania to London. Everyone's like going nuts. It's crazy. Mm. And then there's this Aussie wrestler that comes out called Grayson Waller. And he's like, nah, John, we don't want to go to bloody London. We want to go to sunny Australia. And everyone's like booing as hard as they can. Like, oh, <laughs> I mean, I'd like if they came to Australia. Yeah, yeah it'd be convenient for you. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's just everyone's booing this thing and I would want. It's just, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's the most disgusting thing they've ever heard. I'm like, no, it sounds pretty good to me, actually. Yeah. Fuck one. You know. Kind of weird. I guess it's uh, maybe how... I don't know. I don't know. It's very odd. I feel like I was the bad guy. Did you like that heat on you? It was big, big heat. I had big heat with London <laughs> that day. <laughs> Through Grace and Waller. And then he got... Uh, Attitude adjusted by John Cena, which is no good. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, we, we can wrap it up. You're a busy, man. I can understand that. That's all good. Uh, what, what do you want to get amongst? Oh, what man. do you want us to get amongst? Well, I haven't watched the last episode yet, but I have watched everything but that for the latest season of Black Mirror. You been across this at all, Dylan? Yeah, I watched the first two or three seasons, I think. Okay. Something like that. I remember the episode where the uh, Prime Minister or whatever fucks a pig. I think that's the first one. First episode, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I remember the one where you could have, like, this little device that, like, records everything in your life and you mm. can, like, rewind and go back and see memories and that. Yeah, some pretty wild Here stuff. Is in those, those first few seasons were particularly known for their really horrible endings, like horrible feeling endings, like good endings oh, yeah. narratively, but making you feel like shit. Um, yeah. This next, as it's gone on, it's got a little bit brighter in parts. Um, really? This latest season, though, there are some real downer endings again. Um, Good. That's how it should be. Well, you know, it's got that it's got that place in society. Yeah. There's one episode with Aaron Paul, which I think you might like. You like him, oh. don't you? Oh, Jesse Pinkman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> So I recommend that one. It's um, 
sort of set in the alternate um, history. It's about guys who are working um, in a in a space operation. I won't say much more than that, Dylan, but I think you might like it. <laughs> so, space operation starring Aaron Paul sounds yeah. sounds intriguing. Um, bit bit depressing though. Fair warning. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. In the episode we watched last night, Sine thought it was terrible, but I was defending it. So, depending on who you side with, generally, see how you feel about that one. Well, what happened in this episode? Um, it's about a, a paparazzo, and she's going to sort of set in early two thousands again, alternate history. Um, and she's trying to track down this um celebrity starlet who has gone off the rails. But I can't say too much more than that, Dylan. I want you to watch it. This is a very, this is a very coy get amongst it. I don't know about this one. Well, it's I'm funny because, yeah. I'm telling the on. listeners to get amongst something. I'm not saying here's everything so you don't have to worry about getting amongst it anymore because I've told you everything about it. It's just interesting because my get amongst it is a bit of a coy one as well. Okay, hit me. Hit me. So it's a, it's a, it's a game recently. It came out on PlayStation. It was on PC before that. I just released it on PlayStation. Called Inscription. Have yeah. you ever heard of? No. Heard of this? Again, I, I don't really want to say much about it because you kind of have to experience it as you go. But basically, it's like this like weird, creepy card game that you're playing with, like this guy that you can't see initially, and you can like play the card game normally mm. with him, but you can also get up from the table at any point. And it kind of turns into like this point and click adventure outside the card game, but you can go back to playing the card game at any point. So like there's like these little mysteries to unravel right. in this little cabin that you're in. And yeah, it just unravels from there. And I don't want to say any more because yeah, you kind of have to know as little as possible to get full enjoyment out of it. Because I went in knowing basically nothing about it. I knew it was a card game and I didn't know anything else. It was amazing. It's one of the best, best games I've ever played. Sounds really creepy. Oh, mate, it's creepy. It's 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 crazy. It gets nuts. Yeah. Good game, though. And solid, solid card game, too. <laughs> it's, it was fun. I was getting addicted. <laughs> okay, that sounds interesting. Inscription. Right. In amongst it, for sure. Okay. There we go. Done. Excellent. What, what socials aren't we on? Well, we're not on any threads yet. That's the new... Should we? Maybe. Should we dive in? Maybe. We're we're certified Zuck fans compared to Mosk, so... (laughs) We are on on Facey, we're on Insta, um, Twitter to a certain degree, um, website, email us, whatever you want to do. Just tell your friends about us, that'd be great. Tell a mate, tell two mates, tell three, Mm. if you want share. If you got it. If you're up to it, tell a fourth. Fifth's pushing it, though. Yeah, don't, come on. Um, we thank Mark the Man for our theme song and we also remind everybody we've got a big back catalogue if you've enjoyed this rambling chat about various topics we've got another episode just like this we've also got episodes that are more focused about individual topics everything everything under the sun you'll find <laughs> pretty much Go have a look Go have a squeeze yeah anything else you want to say before we wrap up yeah I miss you man I miss you man Miss 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.